to welcome back to the Talks Night podcast. Uh, I'd like to welcome a new face or voice to the podcast. Emily, how are you? Hi, yeah, yeah, I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. So hopefully Emily's going to be uh, hosting a few podcasts herself. So this is just her first one. Make her feel welcome. And today we're joined by Frankie of The Thieves. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all right, you, mate. I'm really good. I'm very well. I'm very well. So you're from County Durham. Is that uh, is that up Newcastle where? Uh, yeah, it sort of is. But like when you ask, when you kind of have to tell people where where you are, it's like you say it's near Newcastle, and then they automatically you're, like assume you're a Geordie, and it's like hmm. no. <laughs> it's kind of kind of like a different breed. Well, it's not even County Durham. We say County Durham because it's kind of the closest city, hmm. but we're all from like just outside of County Durham. So I'm from Bishop Auckland which is just like about half an hour away from County Durham. And then Liam and Leon, the other two lads in the band, they're from like little kind of villages outside of yeah, like Bishop yeah. Auckland, but they all kind of surround it really. So, but when you say Bishop Auckland, nobody really knows what you're on about. We don't want to say we're like a Newcastle band yeah. or, or like even like a Sunderland band because we're in between mm-hmm. both of them and we're, we're neither. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you start saying you're from Newcastle, all of a sudden the uh, the references to Sam Fender and all that sort of stuff starts. Yeah, we had loads of, we had loads of them. It's like, oh like 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 Sam Fender. And you're like, no, no, no not really. <laughs> oh like, one time we got like, oh like Sting. And we're like Sting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's just a bit like if you kind of say you're from County Durham, no one really knows what to not to, what to expect because nobody really knows that much about it. So yeah. yeah, we'd rather say we're like lo- for like from like a local town than a big city. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Is there much like going on where you're from, music wise? No, no, no. no <laughs> like in our town, there's been like loads of smaller. It's, to be honest, it's actually got quite like quite a good kind of underground kind of scene. Like Leon, he's he's the oldest member of the band. He's 32. Leon's been in bands since he was 18. He's been in loads of bands in Bishop, and. Um, like you say, we there's like they put on these gigs down at like the local the local rugby club where loads of like that's where I first like where we first started gigging and stuff like that. And you go there and they're all playing their own songs. They're absolutely amazing songs, but they, you know they just kind of do it for fun. They don't really want to. Sometimes you just don't really want to do it, or they kind of know that they, you know, they've waited too long or something like that. But you know, in terms of kind of mainstream kind of popularity, there's there's nothing much. Re- I think the only thing. We've had come from County Durham. Is that uh, Gem Archer from Oasis was from just fifteen minutes yeah, outside right, of? Yeah. I, I used to go to primary school with his nephew, which is sort of like my biggest brag. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that's a very loose claim to fame, right there. <laughs> yeah, and one of the the drummer from the Blue Tones used to go to my my uh, my secondary school. Very nice. Very it. nice. So we're uh, we're going to talk about your most recent single, MTV. Yeah. It's been gaining a lot of traction. So how's like the immediate response been to that? Um, to be honest, when when we first kind of released it, we were a bit, I don't know, because our Facebook page got taken down for some random reason. And we didn't really, we thought, oh, we're not going to get much promotion out of it because we've just lost a massive market to promote it on. Like with Facebook, apparently loads of pages have been getting them randomly shut down and stuff. Mm. And we tried starting another page and like I said, just no joy, they just took it down within half an hour. It's a bit, it's a bit weird, really. And um, so we, when when that kind of happened, we were like, oh, you know, it's not going to get as as much promotion. But then, like, when it first kind of came out, we were like, you know, people were still like listening to it and stuff like that and sharing. It. And we thought, this, you know, this is absolutely brilliant because it was one it was one of the there was a, one of the last songs we recorded before the first proper lockdown. We recorded that and Bulletproof in the same day. Mm. Yeah. And um, 
then I did like vocals in, in Amy bedroom. Close as curtains, sons of my eyes. Um, like that. But yeah, I recorded, I've got like a setup in my bedroom. So I just kind of recorded all the vocals there. But yeah, no, honestly, when it when it first kind of came out and people were kind of like, you know, like the, re- the response we kind of got from it was really, really good. Like I say, considering we had our Facebook page taken down, we were still like people still, you know, there's, there's more people than just the people who like kind of likes on Facebook, which is really, really good, honestly. Mm. Yeah. Well, you were just saying about like how you did it in your bedroom and stuff. How has lockdown affected you as a band? Because obviously you've not been able to do many gigs or whatever. Um, to be honest, when the first lockdown came about, we just kind of finished like a long kind of string of gigs. So it kind of, we had like a thing starting from like the December of 2019. And then we kind of, we had, we had that gig and then we did like, we did like Think Tank and then we did like a few of these, they're called like March of the Mods gigs that um, Teenage Cancer Trust put on. And um, what it's just, yeah, it's arranged by like Rod, uh, Pete Townsend or someone like that and Paul Weller's sister and they do like, all these different gigs and loads of like people are in like mod, like the mod thing and the whole scooters thing. They all kind of come to these gigs and we just finished about, we've been doing them for quite a while because they're really good to kind of get out and get your names and sit like lot bigger venues. So we just finished one, I believe in York. We, we met on, on the way there, we met uh, Chris Witter from Shed 7. It was quite cool. Yeah. And um, just finished all of them. We were, bound, we were going to do the Manchester one, a band on the wall, and then Leon, our drummer, got the mumps. So we couldn't really... Uh, yeah, I know. So we had, to, we had to kind of cancel that. And then that was... Then the York gig was actually our, our last gig since then. So then when that kind of first kind of week or so, a couple of weeks or so into the cold first lockdown, we were, we were fine. We were like, oh, we need, you know, we, we're, we're knackered. So... Mm. So we were like we were we were like going out, we were gigging and stuff like that, and then coming back and then like not really getting that much sleep or stuff like that. I remember one gig, uh, Liam bass player slept on my couch. I kind of walk. We just did. We were like like drinking all through the night, and then we were like, oh, we should probably get some sleep. And it was like seven o'clock in the morning. We're like oh, so we were, so when it kind of happened, we were really uh, yeah, we were just like quite we were all right with it. Like we were just a bit like yeah, we're, we're quite tired, so we're just gonna we're just gonna have some time off, you know spend time with family, write some more songs and stuff like that. And then when it got to the point where we were like, you know what, we want to start like practicing again. Now we're like, oh, we, we, we can't. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh no. <laughs> and then when once we finally, it had been like a good couple of months since we could actually get back in the rehearsal space. And then the first time we kind of went back, it was just, it was mint. I mean, we did the odd, we did a, we did a couple of live stream gigs. We supported the K's on a live stream gig of theirs, which was quite, it was it was it was a strange experience, but it was quite fun because we were like sound checking through like a computer mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and it was really it was quite weird, but it was really really fun. And then we did a we had a socially distant gig uh, in September. Yeah, it was like the, it was the week after my 18th birthday, and um, that was brilliant. Yeah, like t- just to get back out there and get back on this like mm-hmm. on stage like. I was saying, like, when we kind of come off stage, I was kind of saying, Leon, like, first song, I was fit to cry because it was, like, it was <laughs> so fun to get back on the stage again and be, like, just, you know, kind of flail around. Yeah, yeah. Can't really do that in your bedroom unless you look a bit like a weirdo. Yeah, not, so, like... not at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was just going to ask them, who are some of your biggest influences as a band? Oh, um, well, we all three of us have kind of got really... We all kind of listen to the the same stuff, but it's different in a way. Like I'm really, uh, I kind of grew up listening to like both my mum and my dad's music. So my dad was like very into like Paul Weller and the Jam and like Small Faces and stuff like that. So that re- that really rubbed off on me. People like like Steve Marriott from the Small Faces is absolutely he's like one of my absolute heroes. And like like say Paul Weller and um, oh, 
who else? I mean, you can, you know, it's a bit cliche to say Liam Gallagher, but like to, to like a 13 year old listening to Oasis for the first time, you're like, whoa, this is amazing. Yeah, definitely. And like, and like, but I could say people like the Stone Roses and that. And then I would say Johnny Marr from the Smiths is one of my biggest influences as well. But then like, I know the other two lads, Leon's a massive Who fan. We all, we all kind of love the Who, but Leon, Leon is like the biggest Who fan. Like Keith Moon's is absolute, you know, Lord and Saviour. And Liam's into like, like he, he was, because there's, there's quite big age gaps between us three, but we all kind of know each other very kind of organically. So it's like, I'm 18, Liam's 24, and Leon's 32. So like we all kind of had different kind of listening to music at different times. So like yeah. Liam grew up listening to like, his, dad, his dad's a massive Clash fan. So Liam listen, like loves the Clash and he loves like reggae, but he, he grew up listening to The View and bands like that and like the enemy and then late like say leon was kind of when he was like a teenager like the first arctic monkeys album had just come out and like bands like the pigeon detectives but he was he's again banging to like i say like the jam and the who and like we all kind of have like the kind of like say same influences but different but i would say for me um steve marriott paul weller um johnny marr and uh yeah like liam gallagher yeah yeah I find it interesting with like the conversation about Paul Weller, because yeah. when people talk about greatest frontmen, of all yeah. time, he's very rarely, you know, in the conversation. But you know, when you look at everything he's done in terms of like the jam style council, his own solo stuff as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I think he's quite an overlooked like person, to be honest. Like to the to the outsider kind of looking in, he's a, yeah, he's like oh, he's the guy going underground, yeah. But then like, if you know, it's like if you know, you know, you know, he's like. You know, I, th- I think he's an amazing because he, does, he doesn't have to, like, he's not one of these, like, like say, like, because at the 80s, you had a lot of kind of stuff going on. You had all this, um, what's, like, like kind of not, like, junk f- food music. You had all the, like, your, your spandex and your big air and stuff like that. And all he had to do was kind of stand there with a the guitar and, like, say what needed to be said. Mm. It's, and for people like like Joe Strummer and stuff like that as well, you just, you stand there with your guitar and you say what you need to be said. There's no theatrics, there's no kind of shit thing. He was into the mod thing, so he had, the, you know, he had some, not outlandish clothes, but you, like, he dressed how he wanted to dress and he'd be how he was how he wanted to be. Mm. And that was kind of consistent all through like his, uh, it's still consistent all through his music. He does stuff that's like really true to himself. And I think that anyone who's, who wants to look up to somebody who's like, you know, some, like some people that look at someone they're quite like, you're quite like a man. Some people can be like quite manufactured in how the, you know what I mean? Like in how they, they kind of are. But then you look at, you know, you look at someone like him who just, he didn't really kind of bout or anything like that. He was like, I'm staying true to myself. Doesn't matter. Like, like what other people think definitely definitely it's like everyone knows songs yeah. like town called malice like everyone knows it yeah. But yeah no one really talks about him in the same way as liam gallagher and i i think an argument could be made that he's probably more talented i mean when you think about it like yeah you know liam, liam gallagher he's got he's got the voice and he you know he had the attitude and he was yeah you say he was very rock and roll like everybody you can't lie everybody who kind of wears like a parker or something like that kind of looks at themselves and feels like yeah i feel like it gives you a little bit of confidence because you feel like him don't you and like with 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 Paul Weller, it's kind of like yeah, he did like even the I'm re, I'm really into stuff into the style council. Like my favorite jam albums, The Gift, the last one, just because it shows like I like I really like the first one, like In the City, the first album, and The Gift, just because it's so they're so different from each other. And I think with the style council as well, it was a lot of like it was a lot of like jazz fusion stuff, and it was like a lot of like very much like quite soulful in a way, and like. You know, it was a completely different setup to the jam. It's like he kept he kept on throwing himself in on the deep end, and then you know 
making music that's just absolute like his new album was it on sunset his new album had a song on it called earth beat and it was the first single that came out and i remember listening to that for the first time and, you know all the kind of classic weller fans are a bit like whoa i'll I think it's absolutely great. Mm. Like it's got like a kind of like it's got like a kind of newer influence on it, but it's still you know you kind of you kind of hear stuff and it's got like a certain kind of soulfulness to it. And you know, like yeah, that's Paul Weller. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Emily? Like, what are your influences in music? Like, who do you look up to? I suppose. Um, I really look up to the Libertines, and funnily enough, I saw your cover of "Don't Look Back to the Sun." Yeah. Um, honestly, literally, like my favorite band. Um, yeah. Stone Roses, um, because I grew up listening to them with my dad and stuff. Yeah. Um, my mum's really into like the Jam, the Clash, the Cure, the Wombats, which they're just a fun band, really, aren't they? Like, I love these bits. Um, and Sandara, like just that sort of thing. Yeah. Quite indie pop, I'd say. More recently, anyway. Yeah, uh, I think like I, I mean we did a a tweet the other day about Pete Doherty compared, who was it compared to? It was compared to something daft, like, and everyone was just, uh, Liam Frey. So we compared yeah. Pete Doherty and Liam Frey. Yeah. It's, it's quite a difficult one, but I consider Libertines and Cortinas to be of like the same, like as big as one another. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I personally, I'm, I'm not a Cortinas fan per se. I just can't get, I can't get Liam Frey really. I, just, I don't know. But so I, I remember seeing, I remember seeing the Libertines when I was fourteen in Times Square in Newcastle. I hadn't really listened to them that much at all. I just kind of, I just went because you know everyone's like, "Are oh, you going to the Libertines?" I was like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> and um, I went there and just you know witnessing the crowds and witnessing like what they're actually like. Like you know you can you can kind of say what you want about Pete Doherty, but like when he's on stage, you know he's kind of he's in the zone and he knows what he's doing. Like even if he is out of it, he's still like he can still deliver really. The one thing I would say about him is that in more yeah. recent times, you know, he's cleaned up and all that sort of yeah. stuff. The stage persona is not what it once was. Yeah, I think there's certain kind of things that, you know, it's like them, it's like all them bands, it's like all them bands from the 80s who were like, you know, back in the day were like riding on nothing but like, you know, they were just taking drugs all the time. And then you look at them now and they're like 50 clam and it's a bit like, man, you need to stop. Like, or like someone like Keith Richards, like I absolutely, I'm a massive Rolling Stones fan, and I my because of like my granddad, and I made my granddad kind of believe that if Keith Richards just stopped taking drugs, he probably just kind of conk out. He just kind of needs it to wake up on the morning, you know, as his bowl of Cheerios, and then he snorts a line, then he's ready for the day. Yeah, same like Stone Roses, Emily, like Ian Brown. I don't know if you've seen them live. I presume you have, but like you know, yeah. back in the day, unreal. But nowadays, he's a bit. He's a bit dry, yeah. and he, I think he's fucking mental, to be honest, on Twitter. Like, <laughs> fucking lost the plot, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I thought, I mean, when I saw them, I, I was like, I was obviously it was amazing. Like, I loved it so much. I've seen them twice, but it wasn't the same. Like, I can imagine seeing them in their prime would have been, like, amazing. Like, Spike Island, that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, uh, to go back to, like, yourself... What do you sort of aspire to be in the future? Like, do you want to be hitting the levels of the Libertines, of your Paul Wellers, like selling out stadiums? Or is it just like you just want to do it for a living sort of thing? I, th- I think with us, I think we need uh, our kind of goal is just to put where we live on the map, really. Because mm-hmm. it's like I said, there's no kind of real musical legacy from like 
at like our kind of like our town. And um I think yeah, I think it'd be absolutely amazing to like, you know, say we've come from where we've come from and then sell out stadiums and stuff like that. You know, we can't we really do kind of like want like we kind of want it all really. We want the, you know, we want the stadiums and we want the kind of the tours and even like the small like smaller venues, just anywhere where we can sell it out and they're like like we know people are coming to see us and like because it's the, it doesn't like sometimes like when people kind of say oh they really like like our music to me it's a bit like I'm a bit like like it doesn't I, I, I can't process it I don't know why like I'm just a bit like and they say oh yeah no I re- you know I really like Bajie Time or something like that I'm a bit like really like I don't it's just new like it's just new to me to kind of like hear people you know genuinely liking our music and like them not be like, cause like when when you know when they first kind of when all the songs first came out, I was still at school, so it was all kind of people in my school going, yeah, yeah I like by the time. But then hearing somebody else who I don't know who it is being like, I really like this song, but I, I I'm still a bit kind of perturbed by it. I don't know how to react to it. So I'm like, oh, like thanks. I'm like, like it just kind of blow, like blows me away a little bit, really. Mm. Like just to kind of like you say, like some like someone from like like Manchester or something being like, oh, I really really like you. So I'm like, that's like that's that in itself crazy to me. So like. Playing them kind of like playing even like say even playing small venues to us it's like it's it's mental that people want to come and see us really. Yeah, yeah. Like us, I, I just think it's absolutely like the whole thing's absolutely amazing. But yeah, I think in aspirations wise, we want to kind of we want to we want to make a living out of music. We want to kind of you know sell out your stadiums and your arenas and like you know see all that like the crowds full of like torches and stuff like that and the whole things that I, you know that's that's the dream really. I don't I don't really want to be like you know going away and gigging and then going working in nine to five during the week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So just follow on from that. Where do you specifically see yourself in 10 years? Um, 10 years time. Um, hopefully, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, 10 years, I don't know. 10 years time is quite a thing. I hope, hopefully, you know, we've at that point we've kind of, we've set, we've, because we kind of set out with a lot of things that we we want to do, and I, I hope in ten years' time that we're making the you know making progress. You know, and we're still with like chipping away at it because there's you know there's some band like Pulp got ignored for something like nine years or something, didn't they? Before they actually took off, so we're kind we are prepared to kind of you know, we know it's not going to happen overnight. We know there's like a lot of people that it does happen to overnight, and we're just like, well, no, it's it's a bit it's a bit it's a bit unfair sometimes, but like. We just like saying, and I think in ten years' time, we just want to be, you know, making the right, like making progress, and making the right progress, and you know, may you know, maybe in ten years' time, we could be playing like the O2, like the O2s and stuff like that, and selling it out, and like, then like another ten years, we could be playing stadiums or whatever. Like, just as long as there's something, there's like some form of movement, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that was a great answer, Matt. Um, so. I'll give this one to uh, to both of you. If you were going to be trapped on a desert island and you could only take one album with you to listen to the rest of your life, which album would it be? Anyway, I'll go to you first. Um, that's a really good question. And it's one I've not really thought about. Um, for me, it would probably have to be can I pick? Well, I can't pick two if you said one. Yeah. Um, probably what's the story, Morning Glory? Because it's like just my childhood. Like when I hear that album, I just think of my childhood. Like it just remind, makes me so nostalgic. So I think it would be that one. I just think musically it's really good as well. So 
not a bad song on there, is there? No, not at all. It's very nice. And it's proper wow, like she's electric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you won't be bored. Let's put it like that. You won't no. be bored. <laughs> what <laughs> yourself, Frankie? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm one of them people who I, my my kind of taste in music varies very, like very. Uh, what's the word? I listen to a lot of stuff, and sometimes you, I'd be listening to something. But like, what you listen to? I'd tell you, and you'd be like, "Why?" Yeah. So I don't know. I think I'd probably take an album that I've never heard before, because I'd be quite it- curious to kind of listen to it and kind of listen to it for the first time like i'm one of them people who proper get into albums like i'll look at every song and how it was like kind of recorded and stuff i don't know i think maybe oh i think i might take i'd take johnny mars last album call the comet or just like i'd throw i've got it on vinyl actually but i'd take i'd take duran duran's first album <laughs> no i genuinely i'm i really like i'm a really big fan of duran duran and my girlfriend got me there. Well, my girlfriend's parents got me their first album on vinyl for um, for Christmas. And the second, uh, it comes with two records in it. One's like the regular album. The rest is all, they did like night mixes and club mixes of their songs where they've just rearranged it and had like loads apart and they've done it all live in the studio. So something like that, just to kind of hear how like how tight a band can be. I mm. think but I'd say in terms, yeah, I'd probably take Johnny Mars' third album just for, pure curiosity i remember when it came out and i was on a school trip in germany on the day it came out it was like one of these kind of music trips and i went to the we got to go around the shops and stuff like that during the day in the town center and i went straight to the like most what looked like a record shop because like everything was german so i was a bit like right look for the records in the windows now i went and bought the cd because obviously I'd, i didn't have a record player at the time i don't think and i went and bought it and i was just like right Okay, I've got it now. This is going to be an interesting story in some years to come. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's quite interesting that you uh, you take something that you'd never listened to before. For me, yeah. I'd have to always go back to the album that I always do, and it's Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust, David Bowie. Oh, I've got that on vinyl. It's a very good album. Unbelievable. It's yeah. one of them. Um, I always have my favourite albums. Like, I love Arctic Monkeys. I mean, yeah. no sort of like secret of that they're my favorite band of all time but in terms of Ziggy Stardust that whole character the album the way it's laid yeah. out the story nah I, I think it's unmatched yeah I might take I if I didn't take anything like that I'd probably if I was talking about David Bowie stuff I've never listened to the low album before I'd take the low album hmm. just because like I say I've never heard it I've heard stuff about it and yeah Oh, if I'm on a desert island, I don't know when I'm going to get picked up and I want to be, I'm, I'm probably going to be freaking out most of the time because I'm like, oh God, <laughs> I'd probably take something just to keep me happy. I might take like Make It Big by Wham or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> just to keep my spirits up, you know what I mean? Oh, if we're keeping spirits up. It can never be bad when George is about, so like. Oh no, I'd take some Billy Ocean. Yeah, mm. <laughs> just a feel good record. <laughs> yeah. Just take something that's going to like calm you, calm you down while you're, waiting for certain death on an, on an island with no way off yeah yeah i've um I've, i'm going to a wedding it was supposed to be this year it's been mm. moved to next year but we've all been asked to put down a song to play at the disco all right so i'd like to ask you both as well what song would you play at a wedding disco because for me i've gone for michael jackson love never felt so good 
it, I don't know if you know it. It's an absolute... Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mum's a really big Michael Jackson fan, so... As, as a child, uh, I, used to, I used to absolutely love Michael Jackson, and he probably loved me too, but that's not the point. Uh, <laughs> am, I, am, I, am I the DJ or am I getting married? No, you're, you're allowed to pick one song to play at a wedding. Right. So you got to think, all oh, the family's there, it's, everyone's having a good time, so they don't really want to start listening to something a bit depressing. Yeah, that is true. I'd pick Let's Dance by David Bowie. Yeah. Great song. Just because, or like, I'm trying to think. Uh, the weddings I've been to, um, you're like Brown Eyed Girl and um, what do you call it? Um, modern is it Modern Love by David Bowie? Stuff like that. Yeah. Everybody plays that song at a wedding. I don't think I've never been to a wedding and not heard that song. So it's a bit like, yeah, yeah, some something that everyone can just quite freely dance to. So I'd say Let's Dance by Bowie. Yeah. What about yourself, Emily? Um, I was just going to say Brown Eyed Girl is such a wedding disco song like I remember my sister got married and she had like um, these like singers there and they they like sang Brown Eyed Girl and everyone was just on the dance floor having a sick time um, but for me it would probably be Dancing in the Moonlight by Top Loader <laughs> like proper end of the night song but it's just I love it I always have it on proper good mood song I think yeah, it's such a good feel song that. But like, mm. I used to work at a golf club which uh, used to put weddings on. Yeah. And, uh, everyone had had like the music on, so like you said, uh, a fan favorite, which I despised every time, by the way, Mr. Brightside. Everyone would lose their own. I'd just play off. Fuck's sake. Oh my God. It, it's got to be one of the most overrated songs of all time. I think it's it, there's got to be yeah. something good about it for everybody to kind of go mental for it, really. The, the I, it's like, like, like there's got to be some kind of redeeming quality in it. I've yet to find <laughs> it, but um, yeah, it's like when we did it when we like say when we used to do these scooter rallies gigs, people just because they were in pubs and stuff like that, they'd have like the regular punters who come in as well, and we were kind of playing in one room, and this woman told us to play Mr. Brightside. <laughs> she screamed, "Play Mr. Brightside!" I'm just like. But like somewhere in the middle of like Bridlington, and um, she was like playing Mr. Brightside. So I started playing the start of Mr. Brightside, and then as soon as like the song was meant to kick in, we just kind of just, I just went like stop song. I just went no. And then, <laughs> I, I think we played one of our own, and she left. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the uh, bands we've had on have told us some great stories about playing like small pub venues. Like we had someone on who said uh, they were in a pub and one person was in. Started, yeah, we've done plenty of them before. Yeah, they started playing, and this guy was clearly just a local, and he uh, he didn't like it, and he unplugged their amps. <laughs> he just didn't oh. fancy it. Didn't fancy it at all. <laughs> oh, man. Nah, it's not. I was, see, we our our pub stories are a bit. I remember when ages ago we did a gig in a in a pub, and some woman kept on asking us to play the trogs. And I was just like, um, the tr- and she kept on coming up. And at the t- point, I just went, look, there's a pub around the corner with a jukebox in it. Go put a pound in that, see if that plays the fucking trogs. <laughs> I was so sick of it. And like, I was only about 15 at the time. So everyone in the pub was like, way. But <laughs> I think one time we did a, when I say when we play in these scooter rallies, they're in working men's clubs and pubs. Mm. That's like kind of where we kind of cut our teeth on gigs and stuff like that. Yeah. And where like our kind of mate, like not our main following, but like our first kind of, People who were interested in the bands were like mainly skinheads and mods and like the whole scooter thing. And we did this gig and 
there was it was in like a working men's club in Hartlepool <laughs> and um we were playing it we there's like a big stage room and like this little pub room we were like yeah we're gonna be on the big stage room and then they were like no you're in here we're like it's like the corner it was literally like a corner of the pub and I remember I I think I like did like the the Angus Young kind of Chuck Berry duck walk thing across the bar or something stupid like that like jumped up on onto it with my guitar and went like that and started like kicking pints off or something stupid like that <laughs> I was like pro- I was just proper into annoying the Christ out of people like that and there was like it was like a little thing like that and there were people sitting below it and they was looking up and they just kind of saw this skinny 16 year olds with a guitar like <laughs> what the hell's he doing up there yeah I had a boss yeah. habit of climbing stuff and trying to <laughs> like I don't know why just because I thought nobody was really paying attention to us so I thought right I've got to do something really stupid yeah. now so people turn their heads and go alright you gotta do it mate you gotta do it well <laughs> Frankie, thank you for, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank, thanks for having us. It's been great. No problem at all. So, um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank, uh, yeah, thanks, Emily. Thank you for coming on as well. Um, so, The Thieves, where can we find you on social media? Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter, but most importantly, on Spotify. So, right. so the links are going to be in the description below. Thanks for listening again, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks for having us, man.